0: Welcome to 1514, a podcast of the Biblical Counseling Coalition. 1514 draws its name from Romans 15, 14, where the Apostle Paul encourages the church that they are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to counsel one another. I'm your host and the Executive Director of the BCC, Dr. Curtis Solomon, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. Thank you for joining us for this episode of 1514. It's a pleasure to have you with us today. My guest today is Ellen dykes who is one of the new crop of BCC council members that we just added recently. Uh, Ellen joins us from the ministry of Harvest USA, which is a ministry that focuses on caring for those who are impacted by sexual sin. And it's a, it's a wonderful ministry. I encourage you to check it out. Uh, And I really appreciated the depth of conversation we had with Ellen. She really brings a lot of wisdom from the many years of working in in a ministry that can be really heavy and really dark at times. So I hope that you're encouraged and inspired in your own ministry to uh, look to your own heart, watch over your own heart, but most of all to draw near to Christ. I also want to take a moment before we launch into that interview and invite you to join us. The BCC is entering into our next phase of ministry. We celebrated our 10th anniversary last year, really excited about that, and the, as the ministry continues to grow, we are going to need more partners and more donors who can join with us. This fall, we're going to be launching a campaign specifically at bringing on monthly donors uh, to support that ministry, building a strong foundation for the next phase of ministry. Uh, if you aren't already a BCC partner, I want you to go to our website now, log in, uh, go to there, click on the button that Says donate now, and you can either become a partner who's a counselor or a counseling ministry uh, person who can be on our counseling directory online and get some other benefits for that partnership. Or if you just love what we do and want to support us, but don't need your name on a website or anything like that, you can become a donor who gives regularly as well. Really excited about our 200th episode being in in the rearview mirror now and the next 10 years of ministry, what the Lord's going to be doing with us. And I want you to be a part of it as well. So please jump online biblicalcc.org, click on the Donate Now button, and sign up to be a regular supporter today. Thanks so much. I hope you enjoy today's episode. Well, welcome to 1514. For all of you listeners out there, we really appreciate it. Today, my guest is Ellen Dykus. Ellen, thanks so much for being with us on 1514.
1: Yeah, I've been really looking forward to this.
0: Well, I have too, and I'm excited because you're one of the newest Biblical Counseling Coalition Uh, council members you just got Mm -hmm. you know we had that delay with 2020 but got you put in place recently and excited to have you uh joining the fray in our summit this coming december lord willing uh but for those who don't know you and maybe and even don't know uh, harvest usa could you introduce yourself to our audience and then tell them a little bit about what harvest usa is and does Sure.
1: Yeah, well, I uh, live in Philadelphia, which is where my ministry is based, Harvest USA. I'm from the Midwest, though, I'm a St. Louis girl at heart. I'm transplanted to the East Coast. And uh, I'm single, and I've been serving with Harvest since 2007 as the director of women's ministry. And our our organization is uh, it's a parachurch ministry. And kind of with the twofold mission, we focus on uh, Christ-centered discipleship counseling, really discipleship to uh, men and women needing help playing the gospel in the area of sexuality for a variety of of reasons and scenarios. And then we uh, produce resources that help equip the church to become redemptive, Christ-centered communities for people that need help in these areas. So I get to do a lot of... Uh, discipleship counseling, teaching, writing um, on these topics.
0: Yeah, well, that's great. I know it's a it's an important work. Obviously, it's an area in, of life that is significant and has has lots of ways that we mess it up. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you have yeah. great, great, great resources. Tell everybody the website too, because you mentioned some resources, and there are plenty on there for people to yeah utilize. yeah thanks. For-
1: yeah, thank you. Yeah, our Harvest our, our website is harvestusa.org. And uh, yeah, we do have a pretty active blog on there, a lot of free free things to read and then um, you know, different different things you can download for free. That's something that we're starting to do now is produce discipleship curricula. And offer it as a free PDF download from our website. So some of those are available now yep. that people could look at. Mm-hmm.
0: And more coming as we were just talking here. Yes. You're just wrapping up a writing sabbatical. So there will be more yeah. more great stuff flowing from you all. Well, very good. Well, uh, we're I telling our audience a little bit. We've been shifting our our podcast format a little bit to more personal interview and reflection on you getting to know you as a person. So tell us, tell us a little bit, you mentioned growing up in St. Louis, but what was it, what were you like as a kid and what was life like for you as a child?
1: Yeah. You know, I, I'm grateful. I, I, um, I have a good memories of my childhood. I mean, ups and downs, of course, but I I grew up in a a God-fearing home and, um, the fifth of eight kids So a lot of kids were running around in the house all the time. And, uh, you know, I think one of the things, Curtis, that I'm most grateful for, and, you know, maybe we'll get into this in light of all the stories I'm invited to in my counseling ministry is, um, you know, our family had its own struggles. But I I grew up with five brothers and two sisters um, that all really respected me. And my brothers uh, respected me as their sister, honored me and Um, So I grew up, thankfully, with kind of a good sense of confidence and um, like I liked I liked who I was for the most part. And I think that along with, you know, different things that God was doing prepared me for, you know, the transformational work that he was going to do in my later teen years. But, you know, for the most part, my childhood was. You know a lot of playing uh, i was really a tomboy if that word is even used anymore so i definitely liked more um, boy culturally type things at that time and was just really active in lots of different ways playing with with friends in the neighborhood
0: yeah i don't know if that term is <laughs> PC or not, but I I yeah. think it's a good one. And we should hang yeah. on to it. I think it's yeah. uh, descriptive. And <laughs>
1: Some people still use it as a self self descriptor.
0: Yes, yeah, and I think most of our most well, I mean, self descriptor. That's kind of the the. Status quo of today, you could just describe yourself what is that right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it but, wasn't my identity though. Yes, yeah. yeah.
0: Most of our, I think most of our audience will understand yeah. understand mm-hmm. that. So, uh, and fifth of fifth of eight, so you were a young sister to uh, all these brothers and sisters who who came after yeah. you, sisters, brothers, both.
1: Yeah, I have, um, yeah, three three older brothers and an older sister, and then a young three, two younger brothers and a younger sister so we we kind of joke even now as we're all you know getting obviously older and older that there was kind of the first set of four kids we call them the big four and then the younger four which i was the the first um the young four and it's interesting you know curtis you you think about family and upbringing is the the young four in our family were raised differently Hmm. than the the first four kids um who were all born in about in five years time oh wow believe it or not So, um, so yeah, I think the, me and my three siblings below me, I think all are a little bit more free spirited, um, in in positive ways of just, Uh we've kind of pursued our dreams in ways that, um, not that my older siblings didn't, but like I mentioned, I think our parents were, maybe they were just so tired by the time I came around. Um, but having four kids
0: in five years will wear you out. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, what what would you say, maybe just in addition to them being tired, what is the difference? Like, what were some of the ways that you were raised differently as the younger four versus the older four?
1: Yeah, well, you know, so, well, for starters, you know, those first four were so close in age. And then there was a six-year gap, and then me, and then four years, and then another four years. So the we were just spread out a lot more. So. Yeah, those, those first four were, you know, probably more playmates and being around each other in peer kinds of ways. Whereas, you know, my older siblings, baby were babysat me and I babysat my younger siblings. But, you know, as I mentioned, I just think, you know, probably my parents were, were changing as well. Um, is, uh, I, I guess the only way I can really describe it is what I just said a minute ago of I think my parents were just they loosened up a little bit on, you know, some of their parenting, maybe some of their um, strictness so that, you know, my four older siblings are doing great in life. So this isn't any like that they were detrimentally yeah. impacted. But you can just see that the first four followed that kind of more traditional career pathways and the younger four of us went a little bit more off the beaten path like me being in in ministry our brother who's an artist um you know i've been a missionary another sister was a missionary so
0: well that's really fascinating to have yeah kind of a an interesting look at your family life but also how having that many people in ministry and other things like that is just a a blessing, as you mentioned before. Uh, So what, moving from childhood into teen years, what were you interested in? What were you, what was Ellen like as a teenager?
1: Yeah, well, um, you know, I went to an all-girl private high school and I loved it. I mean, for me, it was just, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't a teen girl that was like super boy crazy. Um, You know, I had five brothers, so that was enough Enough, no other
0: boys. But
1: i I was just really happy and content with friendships and sports. And so, um, you know, for some, like going to an uh, all girl or an all guy school would have been really hard. But for me, it was just a great fit. I think, especially as I was coming out of, you know, some pretty severe childhood shyness, hmm. I'm just very scared of interacting with people in a lot of different ways or older people. And I think being in in a sense this for me what was like the safety of an all-gender all girl school, it, uh, it really helped me I think just grow emotionally and relationally. and so you know I was interested in sports, academics um, and relation and relationships, you know my, my friendships primarily. And I will say that you know from adolescence into into high school, I read a lot of, uh, I I was a big reader. That's definitely a legacy that my parents handed down to all eight of us. We're all, you know, pretty, I wouldn't say voracious readers, but faithful readers. And I would read a lot of books about different places in the world or even the Peace Corps. And there was something in that where I felt like the Lord was kind of stirring me up for a life of service, to be honest. And so as a high schooler, again, I was all about some of the fun and those kinds of things. But I think even at that age, the Lord was kind of grounding in me a desire to somehow serve him with, with my life.
0: That's, that's really great. Well, how did you tell us about that journey of faith? Like how did you become part Uh of the family of God?
1: Yeah. Well, as I mentioned, I, you know, I grew up in a home that was, um, you know, faithful and church attendance. God was definitely honored. But that kind of personal aspect of the gospel of, you know, really understanding my own need for Christ and uh, forgiveness and redemption, that didn't really sink in into my heart until I was a freshman in college. And it was through a parachurch ministry. And uh, I was interested in learning more about God and um, got involved in a Bible study and the first one that I connected with. And it was really through that um you know what I knew as a discovery Bible study. They knew it was a seekers Bible study. Um, I just heard truths that I hadn't heard explained in that same way. So as a college freshman, that's really where I look back to. You know, faith in Christ really happening, like that new birth in Christ really happened during um, that freshman year. And you know, the organization that I was involved in and really was discipled through for four years just laid in my heart or implanted in my heart um, a worldview that the gospel was is for the nations you know it's for giving away living into and giving away and that i think was also a part of the lord's work just preparing me for the path he had um, that would kind of lead into a more vocational ministry lifestyle
0: so when you went to college, did you kind of go, in, and even found this Bible study, were you going to it thinking like, oh, I'm a Christian, I've been going to church my whole life, and it's just what you do is jump into Bible study? Or was it something where you were questioning faith? Like, how, what was that yeah. thought process yeah, like?
1: Yeah, really good question. Well, uh, you know, a significant event had happened where one of my best friends— Moms died really unexpectedly between our junior and senior year of high school, and I hadn't faced much death in my life, um, and so it was just really kind of world rocking. Yep. And somehow, in the midst of that and other things that were going on, God is just—I think I know now—the Holy Spirit, I think, was stirring in my heart, just creating a hunger that there had to be more to to what I had. Had learned that there had to be more to this whole God thing. And I would tell people that, you know, God, my relationship with God was kind of like this nice, comfortable book on a bookshelf that you know, and you can go back to when you need it, but then you just put it back up on the shelf. And so I, you know, as a, as a high school senior thought, you know, there's gotta be more to God. I bet the answers are in the Bible. I'm going <laughs> to get involved in a Bible study. I mean, it's amazing. And so you know, that first week on campus, I connected with uh, this organization and through the course of really loving and gentle discipleship and companioning, the the truths of the gospel of grace began to sink into my heart. And I can remember, you know, being on a retreat that fall of my freshman year. And, you know, we were having this time that I had never heard of before, this quiet time thing and uh, it just really struck me of wow if if what I'm learning about this kind of new way of seeing faith is really true this more personal engagement that's more than religion um, then I I probably have something in front of me that is completely different from what I've known and that was kind of a pivot point for me of realizing yeah there's a lot more to christian faith and what i had understood and so that fall is kind of what i look as the launching into really my my spiritual life in christ
0: that's uh, that's wonderful now what what school were you attending and like, what was yeah. college like why did you go there what were you hoping to study <laughs>
1: Yeah, well, as I mentioned, I'm, I'm from uh, St. Louis, Missouri, and I went to a state school. Um, it's Truman University now. Back, back in the day, it was Northeast Missouri State University. But, you know, I wanted to stay in state, and uh, a, a, another friend from high school was going there. And, you know, I liked, I liked the setup of the school, the feel of school. It was in a small town. It's only about, the town at that point was only about six 8,000 people, and that felt really good to me. And so, you know, that combined with about four hours from home, some scholarship money. And I can see now the Lord was opening the doors as, you know, my life was transformed. My spiritual life was transformed. And just the relationships that developed there, there's several of those relationships now from over 30 years ago that are still really close friends of people that I met through, um, you know, through the ministry I was a part of.
0: That's great. What were you, what, what, uh, did you have a study plan or were you going just like, oh, it's just college, going to college and figure it out on the way?
1: I, I mean, my major, I'm one of those people, my major changed about four or five times. Um, and, uh, so yeah, I didn't go with this big career, career path. Uh, and, you know, eventually kind of landed on a minor in sociology and then my, Bachelor's was in interpersonal communication, which is basically an unmarketable degree, but it was great (laughs) for me.
0: It was really like talking to people. Can I get a job about that? Yeah,
1: (laughs) yeah. I mean, it's kind of the the cousin to mass communication, like Mm. interpersonal. Really, it really is a great prep for being a discipler, counselor. Um, So, like the classes, I loved and were just great for me. So.
0: But there's not a lot of companies out there hiring <laughs> interpersonal communication, communicators. No, not so much. So. Well, that's, uh, you mentioned uh, the ministry, or yeah, the, the parachurch ministry you're involved in, laying a groundwork for uh, kind of gospel, like sharing the gospel with the nations. And you mentioned also doing some of that. So tell us, how did, how did that play out after college? Like, where did you go? Okay. And when did you uh-huh. hit the... Yeah,
1: so um, so I graduated, and I you know I moved back to St. Louis, and I um, you know got got a job. Kind of, I was actually in a, a radio advertising sales job, mm-hmm. which was one of my worst career years <laughs> ever. I'm not a salesperson, <laughs> but um, I. Long story short, I I really did feel a sense of, I want to be involved in ministry somehow. I'm not sure what, how or what. And I'm grateful. My my local church and my pastor and elders were very involved in a very positive shepherding way in my process. And so I left that radio job and went into another situation that actually helped prepare me for that next step, which was I um, went on a short term mission trip to Romania and with kind of with an exploratory heart of God, would you have me to come back here? And I ended up doing that. I was there for about four years with the church planning team and uh, came back to St. Louis and went went to Covenant Seminary when that was done, anticipating that I'd go right back, that I'd go back overseas somewhere. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord had a, had a different plan for me in that. And I ended up staying in St. Louis on staff at my church in the area of missions. And so You know, we can maybe talk about how I got to harvest, but... uh,
0: Yeah, we'll get there.
1: (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So, you know, I've gotten to God... A part of that DNA, I think, in my heart that God stirred early on was, yeah, desire for cross-cultural ministry. So beyond that long-term... Time I've gotten to take short-term trips um, to a lot of different countries and just have, have loved it. And then, as I mentioned, I was on staff at my church um, as kind of a discipler to people preparing to be missionaries. And so got to be in connection with them before they left, when they came back, and then helped develop some of our church's ministry of missionary care. And so uh, yeah, it's it's interesting and surprising but you know beautifully surprising how the Lord has allowed you know the key parts of what I you know since I'm I'm fashioned for, which is teaching the word spiritual nurture to others and um, you know across a love for cross-cultural situations. He's allowed those to continue even up through my harvest life. Uh, so, yeah, I've gotten to do a lot of a lot of different ministry um, in different places of the world.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. We'll have to talk afterwards because we just released an episode where we're, uh, we've been connecting different um, people who are into biblical counseling and missions and, and brainstorming oh, yeah. and a group of people brainstorming. Uh, just how okay. to help churches or ministries or organizations care for uh these yeah. missionaries so you'd be great, oh yeah great yeah I'd uh, love
1: to connect with that yeah
0: well fantastic we'll definitely do that so tell mm-hmm. tell us then how did you get to harvest and and into um, more of a I mean in one sense it's a biblical counseling role but it's a very unique and particular type so how did you get yeah through?
1: yeah. Well, you know, as I mentioned, I um, had gone back to St. Louis. I got my master's in biblical studies at Covenant Seminary, and then was in St. Louis, kind of working at my church. But there, there had been a an, a long term, kind of ongoing sin struggle and wrestling that was really shameful for me, and that was just kind of in the area of codependency and relational idolatry that manifested. Primarily in my in some friendships with women, and even in a few like discipleship type relationships where I was the the mentor, and you know, there was just something about about that of just not knowing why I would become just so overly attached or entangled emotionally in some of these relationships. Well, you know, doing what a lot of people would do, um, you know the the uh, the uh, you know Christian thing. You no, know, I'm just joking. Of I googled. Mm-hmm. You know, codependency plus Bible, codependency plus Christian view, and I had seen a counselor a little bit. I had talked to friends about it, and nothing was really leading to change. There was helpful things being said, but nothing was leading to change. And then, in that internet process, uh, I came across Ed Welch's kind of classic book, "When People Are Big yeah. and God Is Small: Biblical Answers for Peer Pressure and Codependency," and that. That opened up the whole world of biblical counseling to me. I, uh, you know, had had good biblical teaching and I had had, you know, had had done a lot of my own reading about the life of the soul and change because I was interested in that. But through Ed's book, which then led me to Paul Tripp and David Powelson, I felt like, wow, for the first time I'm reading The kind of teach I'm reading the kind of material I've always longed for, but I didn't know it existed like applying really the heart of biblical counseling, applying scripture and the person of Christ to the real deal of life. And so that opened up CCF to me, which I had never heard of the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. And I thought, wow, this would be a great add on to my own experience and training. And so I ended up moving out to Philly in 2005, expecting to just be here for a year, studying full-time from CCF. My church sent me with their blessing. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I, I actually love telling the story of God's kind of redemptive grace. It was through my own struggle and brokenness that the Lord connected me ultimately to harvest because it was through, needing help that I found CCF which eventually led to me coming out here to study and Harvest is kind of a cousin ministry to CCF we were birthed out of the same um, ministry DNA out here and that year of being an intern at CCF I tagged on a year I ended up hearing about Harvest USA and they were looking to bring on a woman for the first time in their history a full time women's ministry director and um, I mean, the last thing I'll say on that, Curtis, was that I was kind of scared and nervous about working at a ministry like this, which is focused on sexuality and gender. I was intimidated about those things. You know, for for all the the training I had had, these things weren't talked about much. I mean, they're talked yeah. about so much more now, and I wasn't talking about these things with my friends. And so, I was nervous, but the content of the job description and the heart of harvest was right in line with me, which was teaching, teaching and discipling Christ, uh, bringing people into understanding of who they are through the word of God and just walking with people in the real deal of their struggles. And so, so that's how I got to harvest. It was, you know, a little bit of a, you know, windy path in some ways, but in another sense, really in God's, God's plan, it was, he was just gently leading me along, um, bringing me into this place.
0: Yeah, no, I think so many people that I love that testimony because that is so many biblical counselors and pastors and leaders in biblical counseling came through their own need. And the reality is, I mean, that's that's how we come to the gospel too, right? It's not like we come saying, hey, Jesus, by the way, I'd be a great teacher on your team, so sign me up. Uh, when we really see that, it's it's uh, phenomenal, and I think, uh, too, I think that having that story too helps you minister to other people and helps them open up to you as well. So, yeah, well, thank you for sharing that. That's really really great journey. <clears throat> so, some of the questions I like to ask everybody are: What are the what are, well? One of them is: What is the hardest? thing or maybe some of the hardest things you face in counseling ministry and I think uh, as you mentioned the harvest focusing on sexual sin relational difficulties it's not even, even in groups where it is maybe more talked about there's still a hesitancy there and, and some shame that people even have talking about that so I'm sure it's particularly heavy and particularly hard in that vein of work
1: yeah yeah, well, I think, um, I guess, three, three things I would share. You know, one is more personal, and this is the le- the least of all three of them, but, you know, the, the woman I replaced uh, who was part-time in this position, you know, she, she, she encouraged me and also gave me some warnings. You know, she said, Ellen, it'll probably be difficult for you in some ways being unmarried as you come into this position in light of the, Heaviness of stories you hear. I mean, this could be true, I guess, for anybody who's a counselor. But um, she said, in light of what you're going to hear, because everybody coming in our door is, it's a hard, a hard situation. Mm-hmm. So that, that was a little bit of a challenge. But, you know, I'm, I'm grateful that I do have a thick support of of support of um, a thick circle of support around me, both in friends and a church that is solidly behind, behind me. But then the other two things, one is kind of what you just in a way referred to is, um, is my, it's a, it's an honor to be a voice for women in these area mm-hmm. and it can be wearing at times because there aren't as many Voices speaking up for women in these areas. And, you know, your audience doesn't know me. That that in no way is coming from, yay me, I'm waving the flag. But at times that's really lonely. Uh, It's lonely being a ministry leader, especially a a women's ministry leader in these areas. But I want to be quick to just tag right onto that, that it it is really a a delight and an honor to be a voice for the daughters of God, uh, both who need training in these areas but even more so for the women who, the wives who are in these broken marriage situations due to the husband's sexual sin are women who are under so much shame because of their own sexual sin choices. And then really the third is the third thing I would say is hard is uh, what I mentioned is just, you know, hearing, hearing um, the stories of, of dark darkness, uh, particularly in light of the abuse and trauma which isn't our specialty, but, You're you know,
0: here,
1: though, yeah. 80% of the women coming here have sexual abuse in their background. And a lot of the men that come here do as well. So I think it's just, that's been a challenge, just learning how to steward the caring of those stories and to do that really wisely um, has been a, a challenge. And hopefully, you know, the Lord's continuing to, to strengthen me and teach me wisdom in that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's good. Cause, and I think that's one of the things I was trying to get at with hard with a ministry that's focused on a particular area of sin like that. Uh, it is hard. And I was just talking to one of our, our sisters who works in abuse, uh, primarily. And I just, w- my wife and I were asking her like, how do you just do s- personal soul care? Uh, when, you know, if you're, in, if you're in a church, Providing regular biblical counseling. Sometimes you get the premarital counseling, and you're like, "Sweet, this is fun," and or you get a communication conflict, or you get a you know something that's and they're all important. But man, when it's like day in, day out abuse, sexual sin, huge brokenness, trauma, uh, and she said. She said, "I have to. I have a few cues that let me know I've been in the darkness too long, and I need to get in the light." Mm. I was like, oh man, that's such yeah. a good love that good word. Um, yeah. So thank you, thank you, and thank everybody at Harvest for, <laughs> for doing that because yeah. it is it's a it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. And obviously, we have the Holy Spirit and Christ um, carrying for us and carrying us through it. But yeah, it's it's heavy. Bearing others' burdens can be burdensome. So. Uh, what are are some of the things that keep you going um, through the hard times in ministry
1: yeah well you know know, I appreciate you just kind of blessing our team I would say our team here over the years you know has changed Mm -hmm. Um, you know people have come people have gone but we I think maybe because of the uniqueness of what we focus on the the staff especially the direct ministry staff or those that are ministry to women men and and, um, parents um, you know there is a sense of like really needing to know that the Lord has has brought you into this, and we have just a very sweet, deep camaraderie in Christ. Uh, I mean, as you can imagine, as we have conversations together in ministry supervision context or whatever yeah. it might be, we are we are really being honest as well about our own hearts, um, in appropriate ways, of course, but how we need to be walking wisely. So I think our team is a part of what has. Definitely a part of why I've been able to continue ministry in these areas for so long. Um, you know, other other things. Like I'll, I'll share kind of one thing that might seem a little bit more lighthearted, and then something that's maybe more obviously serious. Um, but you mentioned like the soul care, and I mean that's not light. But something that really keeps me going is you know making sure that I'm I get time off, and I'm not a workaholic. <laughs> I'm not a ministryaholic. I thank the Lord that in the struggles I have, that's not one of them. And so I have friends that I I'm not the counselor. You know, I'm not no. the caregiver. I'm the, or the mentor. I we get out and we play. We have fun. We laugh together. And so those are really there's that whole side of things that is holy um, to truly have people and activities that are recreating us, you know, that rec- that recreation. And then really the, the biggest thing Curtis is um, just you know, wanting my life to be invested in eternal matters and loving, loving the opportunity to do that and to earn a living from discipling people in the scriptures, discipling people in Christ, offering his comfort and encouragement and wisdom. I, mean, I love doing that. And so, I mean, what a, what a blessing to be able to, to truly earn my living doing what I love to do and what i you know believe is is honoring to christ and of course not that like full-time ministry people there's lots of ways to honor christ but i know that this is what the lord has has had for me at least up until now
0: yeah no definitely um <clears throat> this is not on the list of questions so it's kind of a, a side thing that piqued my peaked my thinking because we're we Talk a lot about Galatians 6 1 and 2 and the, the bearing each other. If anybody sees a brother caught in sin, you, her spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, looking to your own self, lest you too be tempted. I'm, I'm curious because my guess is a lot of people at Harvest came into the ministry through the ministry. In a sense, like,
1: yeah. Some, st- yeah. I mean, some have come through like our groups and become yeah. on staff, um, or you know, interns. Yeah. But yeah. or maybe
0: or in um, even if not like, just how do you, what are some? I think you maybe have an acute, especially dealing with the same types of struggle again and again and again maybe some just insights on how we as counselors can can guard our hearts in those areas. Like, especially when we're counseling somebody who struggles with something we have a history of struggling with or a current, you know, current struggle with. Like, ways that we can follow that, that biblical advice of guarding our hearts and, and watching lest we, too, be tempted.
1: Yeah. I love that you've brought this up because this is, like, one of my, like— passion topics to speak on um, (laughs) about what does it mean to minister wisely and how do we, how do we guard our hearts? So a a couple thoughts on that, that I've learned over the years and really learned from my own mistakes is, you know, the idea of boundaries, like that word can be a really offensive word or harsh word for some people. But when we look at boundaries as those wide guardrails around our lives and around our ministry, Um, And we see it as a way to to love the Lord and love people and in a sense to protect people because we're weak. We're we're sinners. We have our own propensities to use people to feel good about ourselves. And that was the core aspect of my own relational idolatry or these codependent relationships is I was a very needy to be needed person. And so you can imagine, you know, being in a counselor role or in a ministry like this, the danger that that. That that would create if not dealt with. So I think this the sense of boundaries in regards to that is knowing what are my what are my limitations, how accessible and available am I to people? And I, you know, I'm working with a formal ministry. A lot of, you know, biblical counselors are maybe working out of an office or a church. So there's already boundaries set in place. But I think wisdom's gonna come from uh, well, absolutely, having accountability in your life, like having people that you are really being the real deal, including if so, if you would need to say to somebody, "I'm attracted to my counselee or this this counselee or this person I'm I'm discipling is just. Like, I'm really sensing myself um, just feeding off of how they respond to me. Mm-hmm. So I've learned, like, I need to out myself to people in my life that I'm really honest with. So that that helps. But then the sense of boundaries, I mean, that's something I learned the hard way early on in my, in my ministry at Harvest, where, to be honest, Curtis, I, I heard a professional counselor talk about her sense of boundaries. And I kind of... I felt I got prickly at that I thought boundaries that's so unloving that's so like unlike Christ and then I got into this ministry and I saw oh how wise she was because I was making myself overly available Mm -hmm. and overly accessible and um, and you know that can lead to a lot of problems one of which is a a counseling relationship that goes on for much longer period than it needs to like years and years in some cases that could really be fueled by a counselor's lack of willingness to let go of a counselee. Um, and then, you know, I think the, the other part of what I would say of watching over our own hearts is having, uh, you know, one of the best things I learned at CCF is having a real discernment about do I do I have a counselee in the room or do I have somebody that is needy only needy and just wanting someone to, you know, say nice things to them or make them feel good. And of course, we comfort and we encourage. But if I'm not having a discernment about that, either in that person or how it's impacting my own heart, that sets up a situation for a really what we might call a toxic recipe of that neediness in two different directions. And like I said, this is one of my kind of passion topics because I've ministered to so many women in ministry roles of a variety of types counsel, formal counseling, or church-based—and they got into a, an entangled mess with somebody that they're in ministry with, and uh, because of these very things that and others that we're talking about.
0: No, that's yeah, that's really helpful because I think yeah, the boundary talk is one that for biblical counselors, I think. On the negative side, we hear that, and we hear the clinical, sterile, distant, like, and in which we're trained rightfully so. Like, no, that's not how the apostle Paul ministered to people. Like, we 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 cry with people, we really know them and and love them. But at the same time, like you said, there there's a on the flip side of seeing it wisely. There is a wisdom to. Like I'm not Jesus, <laughs> I'm not somebody else's savior, and I need to need to avoid that. So yeah, having wisdom that's such an excellent thing for us. Uh, experienced counselors to hear and new counselors for sure. So yeah, no, oh, that's wonderful.
1: Well, you know, one thing I just would tag on to that too that I think is really important is, um, you know, we we have we hold highly confidentiality, of course, yeah. um, but there's also wisdom in. You know, a counselor having a recognition of, you know, as I'm as I'm in this one-on-one ministry relationship with, is there any sense of a territorialism that I'm having, or am I seeking to coach and help this person develop other key ministry, other key relationships outside of, you know, either our office or if it's a church-based relationship? Um, like that's a key part that I've I've learned to really delight in is. Uh, helping women begin to navigate, uh, opening themselves up to others. Like I'm here and I'm going to be a safe person for them. But the women who are here for a while know that I'm not saying that I want to be the only person in their life speaking in, that I I want them, especially have ground at street level people. And that's the way we watch over our hearts as well. and, Mm -hmm. And our counselee's hearts that we're not isolating ourselves in a way that's really detrimental.
0: Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Because, I, yeah, in my counseling training, but also my own counseling, I, to keep it grounded in the local church, um, especially when I'm counseling somebody not from my local church, ask them to bring a shepherd or somebody with them as an ally to the counseling. And then in the trauma training I do, I said, like, this is a team. You have five people minimum that are that this person has a relationship with. And I hadn't thought about as much for uh, uh, guarding my own heart, but that's a really important aspect of it too. Like, yeah, that's, that's really helpful. I appreciate that. Uh, it, I'm going to run out of time because this is just a great conversation. Um, you mentioned some mistakes. Are there already any big mistake or something that you would share and how you learned from that in counseling? Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. Well, the, um, you know, being overly accessible um, was, is definitely one that I, I learned, you know, again, just through some situations that, that got off track. So I think that that was one. Um, you know, another thing that I, I learned, and this was, I think, motivated by prob- probably pride and a lack of wisdom is, you know, I'm doing ministry, but then I'm also teaching And I think in my earlier years of teaching for harvest, you know, maybe wanting to go for a little bit of a shock value, um, as well as a a pride, to be honest, of, hey, you know, look at these hard situations that I'm ministering. in, And it was off the conscious radar screen. But I probably overshared about even just speaking in general situations. I think I overshared about situations. Uh, So that was just a lapse of, of wisdom and a, and a lapse of love. And then, uh, you know, another thing I, I learned is after I had been in this role for a while, I, um, you know, at times I could grow complacent and just start kind of coasting along, depending on my experience. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'd, I'd heard a lot of hard things. And and the Lord has been faithful that when I would get into that mode <laughs> Uh, he would allow situations where I would I would experience the deep—I um, don't even know how to put words on it, but I would just sense that darkness in a way that I typically didn't because I'd been more prayerful. I'd been more obviously uh, aware of my dependence upon Christ. And so I think that that is always a danger of depending on our experience— and our perceived maturity as a counselor rather than on Christ and the Holy Spirit.
0: Yeah. And to keep, keep digging into the word and staying yeah. in prayer and, and doing all those yeah. things. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's almost like the green Bay Packers when, when, uh, forget was it Vince Lombardo had to say? This is a football, you know. Get back oh, yeah. to the fundamentals. Like we never forget yeah. or get past the fundamentals. Yes, yeah. and mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. can. The longer we do this, sometimes the more tempting it can be to yeah, to do yeah,
1: that. just to coast coast along. And that is
0: all the all the no one ever coasted into call, maturity. Yes, yeah. It's all the football fans are going to call me with the I have mispronounced somebody's name. I'm sure oh, the wrong coach, but you're good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the point. Um, well, great. Well, the again I could talk for a long time really appreciate the wisdom that you've been sharing but we are out of time so I'm going to wrap up the last two minutes with a segment I call Two Minute Favorites are you ready for this?
1: bring it on
0: alright so here we go I'm going to lob you some softballs first but then they're going to get they're going to get a little heavier (laughs) okay here we go what is your favorite food? salty foods All right. favorite color? Orange. Favorite sport?
1: Fast-pitch softball.
0: Favorite sports team?
1: St. Louis Cardinals.
0: Favorite gift you've ever received?
1: Roses from a woman I had discipled on Mother's Day as her spiritual mother.
0: Favorite gift you've ever given?
1: A brother-sister trip to my brother when he had a significant birthday.
0: Cool. Favorite word?
1: I know I should say Jesus, but um, I don't know. Peace.
0: All right. Least favorite word?
1: Mm. Well, probably some of the words I hear here at Harvest, which I won't say on on here.
0: Yeah, that we can't bleep out. Yeah, all right. Uh, favorite Candy.
1: Mmm. Recently score candy bar. Favorite. Dark chocolate with that toffee.
0: Favorite ice cream flavor?
1: Anything peanut butter based.
0: Favorite Bible verse? Mmm.
1: i quote a lot psalm 34 those who look to the lord are radiant and their faces are never covered with shame psalm 34 5
0: Hmm. favorite book of the bible
1: Uh, psalms
0: if you could choose any superpower what superpower would you choose
1: Mm. maybe to fly
0: and favorite book outside of scripture
1: Probably, I'll just have to go with the genre of books. I'm sorry, missionary biographies.
0: All right. Very good. Well, that wrapped up our time together today. So Ellen, thanks so much for being with us on
1: 1514. Mm. Thank you, Curtis. Really, really a blessing to partner with uh, BCC.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of 1514. If you'd like to find out more about the Biblical Counseling Coalition, you can visit our website at biblicalcc.org. Special thanks to our podcast engineer, James Wills, who does all the post-production editing to make this podcast sound so wonderful. Also want to thank my assistant, Carrie Felton, for helping to arrange these interviews. And a special thanks to Andrew Riddell, who composed and recorded the music we use on 1514. I hope you have a wonderful day.